ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the Lashing Out Podcast on Indie Sports Now Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Prugar. Kevin, there's nobody that's hotter right now than James Franklin and Penn State on the recruiting trail, or so it seems. And more specifically, Phil Troutwine, who is getting some big-time offensive line recruits to commit to Penn State for the next uh, next recruiting class. Yeah, it seems like Penn State is and especially Phil Trotwine, they are cruising to be, they're going to shoot for the being, you know, top two, three offensive line in the country. And I mean, they went and went in Wisconsin's backyard and grabbed the top two offensive linemen out of Wisconsin in the last week, um, including the number one overall recruit in Wisconsin. It's, if you have that much momentum on April 25th, before the season's even started the expectations are there and now it seems like it's 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 seeping down into the high school ranks and phil trotwine it's just he's built he's built up a reputation of being a great offensive line recruiter in like a year and a half yeah and i mean that's huge and obviously like we've talked about this specifically it's more so about developing developing but everything looks to be trending the right direction which is something that they've needed uh at offensive line for quite some time. So that I think is huge. Then they go out and get another three-star and Egan Boyer. Um, every it's, it's honestly, it's Phil Troutwine's world. And we're just kind of living in it. And we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the other things that happened for Penn state here over the course of the last week with storm duck leaving here in the second segment. Um, but I mean, when you have, when you're riding this type of momentum, you, they talked about having a great spring, right? They talk about having a great spring and then, it's parlayed into what's going to be what could be a really good summer. Uh, and then hopefully it, it turns into results in the fall. Yeah. And like you said, developing talent, both, both offensive line recruits from this week, Sexton and Boyer that you mentioned, they're both six foot seven. They don't have a lot of weight on them yet, but they're going into their senior year of high school. Obviously Penn state has shown that, you know, you can put on muscle when you get here as did, um, Tony Rojas, I mean, he just put on 20 pounds of muscle real quick. So if you got a guy who's six foot seven, you can't teach that. You can add on weight in the weight room. And Phil Trotwine seems to be able to build an offensive line from what he has. I mean, look at what he's done with Olufashunu, Juice Scruggs. I mean, we can go on and on about the offensive line. So it just seems like it's great momentum. And if that's if they're going to start building the line, if they're going to start building this team from the interior and out, that's really been the question mark. Even going back to like the Saquon Barkley, Trace McSorley days, it was like one yard here, two yards there, all 86 yard touchdown runs. So if they get really consistent on the end, how can we forget the fourth and five call against Ohio state? Oh, so I, so I had to go there, but I mean, that's an offensive line issue. They yeah. sure that up. I mean, you're talking about a lot more successful team over mm-hmm. the last five years. And now it seems like they got that position nailed down and it's just, it's if you build it, they'll come. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, for Penn State, if you, typically if you get them out in space, life is typically good. But now, you, if you add that ground and pound factor, that is huge for everybody involved. I mean, that's good for Drew Aller and Bo Prabula. That's good for Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, and that's great for the tight ends in the running game as well. It, it, just having multiple layers and, and having an offense that's like an onion, right? Is so is so good and beneficial for them moving forward. But also, you know, you you look at it and it's got it, you see that guys can come in and compete right away. And I think that's huge. It's not that they're going to play right away. 
by no means, or I don't think, is Penn State going out and saying, "Hey, you guys can can start right away." It's you guys can come in and compete and fight for time on the field, and I think that goes a long way too because they're not making promises that they can't keep, which is so much of what Penn State or what football around the rest of the country is all about. So I mean that that is huge as well. So when you're when you're making promises that you know, you can keep and that everybody is seemingly happy, you know, life isn't too bad. No, and like you like you said, they're letting them they're letting people compete. So mm-hmm. if you know, you might not start day one, but you're gonna feel like you have the ability to start day one. And like they, they've shown like with Abdul Carter, freshman start he he earned his starting job about two or three games into the season last year. And then all of a sudden he just took off. So it's like yeah, you might not start week one, but we're going to compete every week of practice, every day of practice, every rep. And if you start playing better than that guy, you're in. And that's what—that's all you can ask for coming in as a freshman. Like you said, the stars don't matter once you get on campus. It's what do you do once you're there? And they're rewarding guys. And I think that's like that's how you build a program. You don't want to just hand out stuff and just get five-star after five-star, and then they all leave after a year. Like This program is getting built, and it's – there's some big bricks at the bottom. Well, yeah, right. And I mean, you look at a guy, speaking of the offensive line, you look at a guy like Landon Tengwall. You know, he starts um, through freshman. He shows that he can play. He appears in three games. So, again, if you go in and compete, good things typically happen. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing moving forward is getting these guys not only on the field, but saying, listen, you're not guaranteed a thing, but if you come in and compete, then good things typically happen. Yeah, and that that compete level, it just especially on the interior, like those guys are going to be the hardest workers out there. I mean, their bodies are just going to be beaten, beaten and battered. So, like, if you start getting that compete down there, like, what's it going to do to Drew Aller? Because he goes, he knows that he has the best five guys in front of him. Nick Singleton, Kate right now, they know they have the best five guys in front of him. They're probably going to get big holes open up. And then, if you're a wide receiver or tight end, you know that Drew Aller's going to have all the time in the world or Bo Prabula is going to have all the time in the world to throw to him. So it just seems like from an offensive standpoint, and especially with a guy, if it's Drew Aller or Bo Prabula, both are going to be making, whoever it is, is going to be making their first their first start September, what, first or second against West Virginia. So you need, like, you need to build that confidence. We, we're going to talk draft here in a little bit. Like, you see it all the time when quarterbacks go to bad teams with no offensive line, like their confidence is rattled. Look at Christian Hackenberg. Yep. Yeah, Christian Hackenberg at Penn State. Confidence is rattled. Career's over. I mean, it just – the anticipation for me after the spring game, it's like, yeah, Aller didn't have the best performance, but it was April. And it's it just seems like if they get that piece figured out, you just keep him a clean pocket. He's not going to get his confidence rattled or anything. So, yeah. It's I'm a Phil. good problem to have, team, right? I'm on Team Phil. Yeah, Phil is Phil is – Phil is hot right now. And that's the good thing too, is for Penn state is they have options. And and we talk about, you know, everywhere that you go at Penn state is branded. There's some sort of motivational talk. There's so, some sort of motivational something or other. When you go into the facility, into the last football building, the namesake of this podcast, go figure you're, you're now entering the most competitive environment in college football. They want to compete. That's one of the four core staples and four work, uh, four pillars for Penn State. Compete, work ethic, sacrifice, and, and the last one um, it behooves me right now, but or it has left me, 
But again, it's compete. It's competing at every position, and they're doing just that. So with that said, let's go to the second. Let's go to our next segment. We're going to talk about why Storm Duck actually left Penn State when we come back on the Lashing Out Podcast and the New Sports Now Network. Out podcast and any sports now network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, the storm left Penn State, right? The storm left, and it's not too shocking to be honest with you. And I'm going to tell you why. Listen, you got Kaylin King, you got Johnny Dixon. There wasn't any room for a storm duck. They they balled out and they they proved that they deserved that starting spot. You don't come to Penn State expecting to be a role player from North Carolina. You come to Penn State looking to play and you look to to start. And I don't think that was an option at the end of this and at the end of the spring. So I, I I believe that's truly why he ended up back in the portal. And that's a good problem to have for Penn State. It is, but I've just I've disappointed. You're you're the highest coveted, probably the most sought or high, high, held in the highest regard transfer that they have. I mean, we have Cephas and McLean coming in. There was the hopes for the wide receiver room there. But, man, it, duck season lasted. I don't know if storm duck season at Penn State or actual Pennsylvania duck season lasted longer this year. Uh, one spring game and you're out. He went through winter workouts. He went through spring ball and said, no, that's not it. Penn State showed last year they they were rotating three guys: Johnny Dixon, Kalen King, and Joey Porter Jr. Marcus Marquise Wilson left in the transfer portal after the Rose Bowl after having a really good game. So it's cornerback. People are going to get hurt. You could you could tweak your hammy. You're out for four weeks. Like there's opportunities there. We just need we need to talk about the transfer portal, man. It's I it needs to, it needs to be one and done or something. I mean. He came in here as a grad grad transfer, so maybe it's a little bit different. But man, you, I I think he was on campus for less than sem- the semester's not even over, and he's already gone. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'll finish the semester, but it it's so tough. Like the portal is a is a good thing. I, I think in theory, it's a it's a really good thing, but at the end of the day, man, the the execution of it, it's just out of control. And I mean, look at Colorado. Half their team, 42 scholarship athletes from Colorado have left the program and are in the portal. And 18 today, or since Saturday, whatever. Right, since their spring game. And some of those guys at Penn State's recruiting, you know, and and that's, listen, it, it, there, there are two levels now, three levels to, to recruiting in, in college football. You're going JUCO, you're going high school. And you got to, and you're recruiting the portal. And, and that's just kind of the way that it is. And, and it's tough because, sometimes you're recruiting your roster yeah right so yeah so you're four different levels and that's no that's 100 accurate so that sucks because franklin's got to recruit all those guys while also knowing hey these are the juco guys these are these guys these are this so it adds that extra level and it's just not fair to everybody um and, and listen that's the nature of the beast that's that's college football right now and the ncaa had an opportunity to get ahead of this, just like they did NIL. And obviously they elected not to do a damn thing. So there is that technically one and done or whatever, but let's be real. All you have to do is say, Oh, I find it family hardship or, 
or something else, you know, looking at, I believe it was Justin Fields who claimed there were issues at Georgia before he went to Ohio State. I'm not saying that they weren't accurate, but I mean, his sister stayed there. So, I mean, there's just so many different things. And now you're chasing the bag, right? You're chasing that NIL bag. So it's, there are just so many different layers to the portal. And it's just not a good situation right now for a lot of different schools. No, we have, to, I'm going to wonder, we're going to see where he ends up. Um, good luck to him, but you're not at Penn State anymore. So probably won't root, be rooting for him. But looking at the roster, they got 10 cornerbacks still on the roster. Uh, three are coming in this year. You got Lamont Payne, Elliot Washington, the second, and Zion Tracy. Um, you got a couple redshirt freshmen in there, a couple redshirt sophomores. Daquan Hardy's still on the roster. He's proved to be a valuable uh, nickelback, obviously a valuable special teamer. Um, I, I'm not worried about the cornerback room at all. Storm Duck is was a great addition to the roster. He's gone. Might as well forget him now. Let's look at what the roster has. There's still 10 of them competing for probably what's going to be three or four spots all year long. So compete level in that room still going to be high. And I have no reason to doubt that any of those guys coming in or currently on the roster are not going to be as good. Right. I mean, they have options. Um, and I think that's something that, that you can, can really see what happens here, but yeah, I mean, let's be real. They're, I think they're going to be in good shape whether Storm Duck is there or not. But this also shows how deep and how talented the Penn State defense is. You know, because typically if it's a longer type of cornerback, they can move to safety or or another type of, of defensive back, whatever. But this is a, a spot where they come in and it's boom. They are ready to go. And, and I think that's, again, speaks volumes to what they're doing defensively. But also... You know, let's see what happens now. And it, you see Devin Ford in the portal finally. You know, he left the program earlier. Let's be real. We knew that was coming. Again, it's a deep running back room. They're going to be okay. Um, there props, been... props to him for staying for education. I mean, yeah. he said he was going to leave the team, or he left the team in November, stayed through the end of this year, and he's probably – I would presume he's getting his degree. Wasn't It was his thir- at least his third or fourth year on campus. So props to him. Probably going to graduate with a degree from Penn State. Whether or not he's successful in football, he's going to be successful uh, in the workforce with a degree from Penn State. So, yeah, and that's I think that's huge. I mean, we forget all the time that these guys are student athletes with emphasis on actual students. Most of them, you know, you don't. There are obviously some schools that put a little less emphasis on being the student athlete, but I think James Franklin does a really good job overall uh, of that as well. But again. These are good problems to have for Penn State. You wish Storm Duck all the all the best. It does suck because of how great his name truly was. Um, but again, there will be other names to pay attention to, like Danny Dennis, Denai Dennis Sutton, Adisa Isaac, and guys like that. Yeah, and uh, I I kind of just want to make go back to like the quarter the cornerback competition. They these guys have been playing seven on seven their entire high school career. They're their first or second year in college now they probably started seven on seven i don't know maybe seventh or eighth grade like we're seeing it in the nfl draft again which we're going to get to later we're seeing it in college like cornerbacks and wide receivers are coming to college and going to the pros with a lot more experience than they had before so it's not out of the question to see i mean even joey porter jr performed his freshman year he wasn't the joey porter jr that we came to know over the next two years Mm -hmm. but 
these guys are coming in ready to go. So if that's who you're going with with your third or fourth back, and it's it's going to be a true freshman, I, I still I don't see an issue. Right. So let's get to the draft and let's get to Joey Porter Jr. specifically when we come back for the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast on Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. You've lasted two segments with us. Let's we're rounding third and heading for home here uh, to steal a baseball analogy. But the guys that Penn State has at the draft, I, I expect them to go fairly high. I, I would expect Joey Porter to be in the low or to the to middle to to late round of the first uh, first round pick. Um, you know there have been rumors from of him to go to Dallas, and as a Dallas Cowboys fan, I am here for that. There's the the familial aspect with Pittsburgh and the Steelers, and I think that would be a really cool story, um, just based on what he and his family have been able to do there. You know, they they op- op- they're operating a special needs house or campus uh, for students and, and for adults that um, need assisted living, and I think that's incredibly um, powerful uh, for a guy like Joey Porter Jr. Um, his his sister Jazzy, I watched a, a little short that Tom Rinaldi did uh, for Fox Sports, and it was absolutely incredible, just like everything that Tom Rinaldi does. Um, but it's just, you know, that would be really cool. Dallas would be awesome because of the, the my selfish reasons, but I do expect him uh, to kind of go in the uh, in the first round. Yeah, I, I think it's not going to happen because they need offensive line, especially with the trade they just made. But can you imagine Sauce Gardner and Joey Porter Jr. being your two cornerbacks for the New York Jets, both on rookie deals? I mean, that would be like from a pure like football perspective, like you've got two island cornerbacks. Like, let's see what you can do. Uh, whoever the opposing offense is. I think that'd be a cool thing to see. Obviously, it's not gonna happen. They need offensive lines. So yeah, um, I'm just excited to see where he goes. Obviously, it's going to be first round. I think maybe something like Detroit would be pretty cool. Reuniting with Cabinda. I think Motor City Dam Campbell would be a great coach to play for in the NFL. So, um, obviously, the Steelers connection. You're going to be a homer to the Cowboys. Him and uh, Trayvon Diggs would be pretty exciting. Um, One would actually be able to cover a wide receiver, and that would be Joey Porter Jr. But, um, yeah. I'm going to just bypass your snark there kevin um sorry and move on but yeah i think he, i think he does go day one i think that's going to be really cool um jair brown i think has a very good shot to be in that second or third round uh, and i think he would be a great value pick in that third round as well um you know he's a 511 safety as a 46540 i think he's gonna be all right and then i'm, I'm very interested to see where parker washington and, and brenton strange go uh, i think they're day two guys as well but at the same time, you know, they have tremendous upside. Now, Washington, we didn't get a fully healthy Washington this year for the most – well, of course, at the end of the year. But, again, you know, I think he's going to be fully healthy. Uh, same that now. Same thing. The, the, the really good story here is what round Juice Scruggs gets drafted in um, because this dude coming from Cathedral Prep, he's a four-star guy, battled injuries. Honestly – probably shouldn't even have a football career 
with the accident that he was in, comes back and improves his worth, improves his value, um, and, and shows that he still got it and can compete at a high level. So I'd expect him to be an option as well. And then same with Mitchell Tinsley and, and PJ Mustaver. Um, I would expect Nick Tarburton and Sean Clifford probably to be un, unrestricted free agent, like undrafted free agents. I wouldn't be shocked if PJ Mustaver goes in the sixth or seventh round. Um, but I would expect probably Mitchell Tinsley fourth or fifth. Same thing with 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 Scrubs, and then I think uh, and the trio of Brown, Washington, and Strange is probably anywhere between that second and fifth round as well. Yeah, and Jair Brown is just a football player. Like you're just going to put him on the defense, maybe in a dime package, and just have him make plays. Like I think that would be a good value pick. Penn State has shown that they can put safeties in the NFL. Uh, they showed it with Marcus Allen. Granted, he's mostly special teams and is now playing linebacker. Um, Nick Scott, he's playing cornerback. Jaquan Brisker had an excellent year last year for the Chicago Bears in just his rookie season. So Penn State's shown that they can develop safety talent and put it in the NFL. You'd be a fool not to pick Jair Brown, especially if you are in that early third round. Like That just seems like a great place to pick him. You're going to get a good value on the contract, and he's going to have four years to prove himself. Uh, yeah, Parker Washington, I think, is going to make an absolute living in the slot, kind of like a Danny Amendola type. Just, just going to make it. Just going to make a living in the slot, do what he does, and he's not going to blow you out of the water with the stats. But I, uh, I think he's going to just have a very productive career. No, I agree, and it'll be interesting to see how the, how things go with these guys. Um, again, I, I, if if Sean Clifford does get drafted, I think that's great. Um, but man we're talking about the draft and we're, we're kind of ignoring the elephant in the room, right? Will Levis goes from plus 4,000 odds to plus 400 odds for getting drafted. Number one, this is a dude that didn't beat out Sean Clifford. I think this is a great play by his agent. He's supposedly, or people of his family were telling people that he's been telling them that he was going number one of the Panthers. I think it just drives up stock. Uh, he's probably not going number one, although Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, I don't know if you want either of them to be your franchise quarterback. Bryce Young just for size, CJ Stroud for Ohio State quarterback's success in the NFL. Not that Penn State or Kentucky have uh, the best track record of, uh, but Tim Couch is from Kentucky. So <laughs> um, I don't think Kentucky has the best track record there either, but Will Levis showed flashes early last year before he was hurt, uh, showed some grit to play through that injury. I think it's kind of like the Baker Mayfield type. Like, yeah, you played injured, but, man, people are going to remember your stats when you're injured and won't give you credit for that. So mm-hmm. uh, I think he goes before Anthony Richardson. Um, Anthony Richardson is just a combine start. There's nothing about his career at Florida that made me excited. Uh, what is he a 56% career passer or something at UF like wildly inaccurate I mean the dude's just an athletic freak uh, if you can if you can rein in that accuracy and get him to be a productive quarterback like more props to you am I spending a top five draft pick on him no probably not so he, he's just one who oh he ran a 4-3 at the combine and he jumped he jumped out of the out of the building like he jumped from goal line to goal line at Lucas Oil Stadium and was like oh, he could play quarterback in the NFL and it's like no nah, the guy's just like freakishly strong and he's what 6-5 and 240 pounds and can run faster than 98% of the NFL like 
he's an athlete. I just don't think he's a good quarterback. Yeah, I, I, man, I don't know. I just, I watched Will Levis play at Penn State. I'm not saying anything bad about Mark Stoops at, at Kentucky, but I'd be hard pressed to to say that Will Levis is infinitely better now than he was then. Um, I, I it's just the fact the the Will Levis hype. It, it it's mind boggling to me, and and I don't quite know why, other than the fact that I watched it happen at Penn State, and it still wasn't that great he couldn't beat out Sean Clifford who was there for 75 years. So I, I just don't know, man. And I, and I don't, I don't know why there's this, this much hype for him. I feel like it's very feast or famine, right? Like he's either going to be incredible, like Tom Brady esque, or he's just going to burn out and fizzle out like a Johnny Mansell type of deal, maybe with a lot less off the field issues. And there have been some like conversations about his, not necessarily his character, but his behaviors that have been super awkward and super weird, you know, outside of the bananas and mayo and I was just in the mayo and the coffee or whatever it is. Yeah. And the weird stuff like that, but it, it's, it's so polarizing and intriguing to me that I just, it's like a car crash. I can't really look away for it. So we're definitely going to have some analysis coming out about that um, here after the draft. Yeah. Yeah, so they're similar in size, 6'3 versus 6'4. They both weigh about 240. Uh, Richardson has them by 12 pounds. But Richardson's career college passing rate is 54.7%. Will Levis is 64.9%. That 10% is massive. I mean, And against the, very similar competition in the SEC. Yeah, both in, the, both in the same football conference. So we have really been – and I'm not saying Will Levis is a top five draft pick. I was just saying I would pick him before Anthony Richardson – and I don't think either are a first round talent. Like it's the draft. People are going to go stupid. It's the same reason Zach Wilson went number two overall. It's the same reason uh, Mitch Trubisky went, he went number two overall too. So it's kind of, or was it number two? It was somewhere stupid. It's just like every, every team is like, we need a quarterback, whether or not it's our quarterback or not. And I feel like just every brain cell of the front office of an NFL team leaves the room on draft night. And they're just like, Ah, we need this guy and they just they just pick him so yeah uh we'll see how they go but anything any other good stories you're looking forward to in the draft who do you got number one bryce or cj i like bryce young i mean i think the pedigree is there i mean cj stroud is solid as well but i think bryce young from everything that i'm seeing has got the mental makeup uh to do it not saying that stroud doesn't but young is a pretty smart kid he comes from the nick saban line of football um and i think I think he's got a really good handle on the way that the things need to be done at the NFL level. Um, so I think that'll be great. Um, other than Justin Fields, there haven't been very many Ohio state quarterbacks that have been competent um, over the course of urban Myers tenure and, and even Ryan day. So I'm very um, trepidatious when it comes to, to selecting an Ohio state quarterback for that reason, not saying that Penn state's that much better um, considering the way things ended with Hackenberg and then also, you know, with trace being, being a guy like that. But, you know, I think young is, is a guy that that can develop into being a, a feature guy. I don't think that he's a starter right away, but if you're going to draft a guy, number one, you expect him to play right away. And, uh, and it's got to be a really good situation. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do. I, I don't think, I don't think either are, like this is not the year you want your quarterback taken. I think 
looking at next year is just that much better. So um, the yeah, draft starts at number two pick. I think it's going to be whether or not the Texans actually take a quarterback or they go D end or star offensive tackle, whatever. The Texans have been super weird on social media, by the way. Did you see that? Um, they posted a, a picture, a, a graphic about um, some sort of failure post or failure thing. Hold on. Let me see if I can pull this up because I think it's worth every second um, of how awkward it was. Um, I don't know. I think, I think Houston does not go quarterback. I think they might be to me. It's D'Amico Ryan's right. I think Mm -hmm. he might try to see what he's got with Davis mills. Um, I mean, he's, he seemed at least somewhat represented or respectable. And if not, you go zero and 17 this year or two and 15 this year. And then you get Drake may next year or Caleb Williams. Right. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. Everybody's kind of, I think, looking ahead to next year where the quarterbacks are probably a lot better than what they are this year. Um, but this is the graphic. This is what the graphic for the tight, the Texans posted the other day. It was the, the caption is forward and, and the graphic reads failure is not an option. It's a necessity. Every misstep is a lesson learned. Every setback is a chance to grow stronger, embrace the struggle and become unstoppable. Either they're going through a terrible breakup or, <laughs> or they're finally owning the fact that they have been a, a complete di- tire fire for the past few years. They're just preempting the, the hell storm that's going to be when they don't take CJ Stroud number two. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they take Will Levis. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I think they should sell the team. If they take Will Levis. I'm just no offense, Will, but not a number two overall pick. Yeah, I I watched him run the ball seventy five times against Rutgers, and I just and now he's in talks to being a top NFL draft pick because he can throw the ball against air. Come on, man! I just I don't see it. And and if I have to eat my words, I will absolutely eat my words. But no way, no way, no how will that happen? It's gonna take a football genius and props to that person. I I too will eat my words, but. Not wishing ill on him, but man, I, I yeah. don't, I don't see a top five talent right there. <laughs> so. I, I don't either. But hey, that's why we are podcasters and not NFL scouts. So who knows what's going to happen? But we'll talk about it more again later this week um, after the draft. We'll have an episode come out right after the draft to talk about what happened to Penn State. Uh, and then we'll get into the offseason and, and what's next for, for the Nittany Lions and what's in store for James Franklin and company. Stay tuned. There may be some special teamer kicker analysis coming your way. Be excited. Be very, very <laughs> excited. For Kevin Quigley, this has been Jared Pruger on the Lashing Out Podcast. We'll talk to you all here later this weekend. Enjoy the rest of the week and talk to you soon. 